0: I do think that there are a lot of people in midlife who are who, uh, especially in COVID times. You know, it, not only do we have uncertainty, but we have an instability. And somebody pointed that out to me recently. I said, you know, uncertainty is always there, but you can sort of take your own. A lot of times, that's your own uncertainty, and you marshal your resources. But but instability is actually is really scary because you, you something that's maybe there's a political instability or a social instability or a health instability, uh, you get to a place where it's like feel, it feels like, it, wow, you, you, there's, you have no control over this.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mashad, and I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions, and number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now, so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Guys, um, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mashazde, and like I said, we have an amazing special guest. I'm fanboying a little bit today because I've been following this man, Mr. Chip Conley, for well over a decade, and I have him here on the show, and I'm so excited to have him and share what he's doing with you guys and the rest of the world. Chip is a serial entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, former head of global hospitality and strategy, and currently advisor to the founders of Airbnb. He's a TED main stage speaker. His TED talk is unbelievable. Um, hospitality expert and now founder and facilitator of the, modern, of the amazing Modern Elder Academy. And for those of you guys who are not familiar with that, the Modern Elder Academy is the world's first midlife wisdom school dedicated to career and life transition. So I'm so <laughs> pumped to have you here, Chip. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Doris. I appreciate it and um excited to uh, you know, hopefully offer some wisdom and maybe learn something from you as well. I actually think one of my key lessons at Airbnb was I, I learned as much from Brian as he learned from me. Um, I was Brian Chesky's in-house mentor. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Well let's do it. Let's chop it up. So, you know, um I met you and, and I, I I doubt if you're a member, but it was you did an EO event. It was in San Francisco. We're both San Franciscans. The reason I p- picked that song was I saw I saw pictures from the skies of San Francisco yesterday. Uh, yeah, and and I and I was like, I'm doing Bad Moon Rising today because yeah. that that looked like to me. I couldn't believe it. Um, but now, what's funny is uh, we're bo- oh, you're in Austin right now. Is that correct? I am.
0: I am. Yes. So,
1: so we're both former San Franciscans. You were longer there than I was, and now we are currently Aust- Austinites. So mm. yeah. <laughs> greatness travels in packs. Um, and so, so I saw that yesterday. I said, "Wow, I couldn't believe my eyes." I have a lot of family there, and we have friends. And I said, "This looks like the apocalypse." It's pretty insane. Right. The world we're in right now, but. Um, so you you've you've now um, you know, if if we don't mind going back, you know, I you had done a talk, Gabe Luna Ostrowski, uh, who who's who's an old friend, he, he had brought you in. He was the the learning chair of EO San Francisco that year. This is a while ago, and I was on the board that year and he brought you in and we, we <clears throat> did a talk for us and it it really blew my mind. I I was I was so pumped. I read your book, Peak, saw the TED Talk over the years, and I was like, I just think that the way that you've approached business is 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 amazing and i I find myself quoting you and Maslow and you know just this idea around business i i'm I'm not exaggerating I'm serious when I say this that you know measuring what matters and looking at it from just this different lens and if you wouldn't mind just like maybe talking a little bit about that for for audience- the audience members who maybe haven't been familiar with your work
0: sure <clears throat> so my just a quick background is i I started a company called Joie de vivre. Um, which became the second largest boutique hotelier in the U.S. Um, Based in San Francisco, we had 52 boutique hotels. Every every hotel had its own name. So Joie de Vivre was a sort of soft brand, um, with uh, 46 of those 52 hotels being around the San Francisco Bay Area. And I ran that company for 24 years as the CEO. Uh, And during that time, I wrote three books, including Peak, um, based upon using my company as a laboratory for learning. So, I, you know, I'm a, I'm somebody who loves writing and learning, and I figured, okay, I was giving speeches, and people started saying, well, where's your book? And I was like, okay, I'll write a book. And so I ended up, I've never written five books. Um, I sold that company in the Great Recession. Uh, it was very clear to me I was no longer the right person to be running that company. I had lost my sense of calling of the work we were doing, and I had a new calling, which was I really wanted to write and speak more. So. Um, 2010, I, I, I leave the work, I leave Juana Viv. And that was a hard thing to do because, you know, you create a baby in your mid twenties and you run it for almost a quarter century. Your full identity is defined by it. Um, Many of your books are related to it it helps me to see that it, how you create a great culture and core values are sort of fundamental to a great company. I, I think culture trumps strategy, uh, or, you know, as uh, Peter Drucker used to say, cult, I think culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think I, I, the idea of moving on and doing something new is something that's very hard for younger entrepreneurs, but I had had a series of things happen uh, around my 46, 47, 48 birthdays around that, that time. And it just was really clear that something was supposed to change. And, um, took a couple of years off, uh, started a company called Fest 300, uh, a, a website dedicated to the 300 best festivals in the world, um, which is sort of a passion project of mine. I was a founding board member of, uh, of Burning Man. Uh, and so have been very actively involved in Burning Man for 24, 23 years. Um, and so I, I did that. And then I got a call from the founders of Airbnb, uh, and specifically Brian Chesky, <clears throat> who's the CEO. And he said, you know, we want to democratize hospitality. We've read your book, Peak. We love the whole Peak principles that you, you espouse in that book. And we want to actually have a company, when it grows up, that's a lot like Peak, um, it, like the Joanne Vise company you built uh, based upon the Peak principles. And um, so, yeah. So that was the start of what's been almost an eight-year sojourn with them, taking them from a tiny little um, tech startup. But but when I joined, they they had some growth going on for sure. I mean, right. this was a, this was not a small company. They were, it was a global company already, but it was small. It only had about two hundred employees. So it was not a. I mean, you know, the company grew to seventy-five hundred employees before the layoff the spring um, of 25% of the workers. So it was a very small company relative to what it's become. And uh, I was the only comp- person in the company with a hospitality background, travel background, and frankly, the only person who'd ever created a company and on- been an entrepreneur outside of tech. So wow. um, there were a lot of hats I wore as a result of that and um, fascinating journey.
1: Yeah, that's that. That's so cool. And and those guys, those, those guys were born out of Y Combinator, I believe. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they were one of the the, the early Y Combinator success stories. And, and it was funny, I was following them probably like in 2011, 12, right, right, right around mm-hmm. the time you got there yep, yep, and yep. saw and saw that, that they that they were obviously doing the right things. Um, so jumping to the, this idea that, you know, it's funny what you just said that in, you know, in two thousand and ten, when you decided that, that you wanted to leave this company that was your baby, that you made that transition you know a lot of despite all the hardship of it being tied to your identity, your books, talking about it, um, I actually just did something very similar. I was the CEO of a company that I had grown from 30 people to about 1,000 people um, in, in over a pretty short period of time. It took about three years to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, it's funny as utilizing this principles of Peak, and and I did that mm-hmm. in our company, and for me, it was really leveraging core values as, as the language for everything we did in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then it became to your to to your point the experimentation grounds for a lot of the principles that we use for growth and for scale and for building a, a superior company from a you know from all the different more vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. But I kind of hit that wall last year and decided that it was time for me to move on. And I, and and one of my friends said, oh, you'd like pulled a Michael Jordan, you just like quit at the top and I just said it just wasn't right for me anymore. And 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 I'm in this like never never land now where I'm like Really, it's very uncomfortable. i'm I'm ten <laughs> months out. I'm super yeah. uncomfortable, man. Like, so let's really. talk
0: about that. Let's talk about that, because um, there's a lot of great research on this. Uh, and when I say this, I mean not necessarily leaving your uh, profession or your your entrepreneur career, entrepreneurial career or your company, but the idea of transition. So there's really three stages to a transition, and you're in the middle stage right now. So the first stage is saying goodbye to something. The middle stage is being in the messy middle, and we um, often call, there's a word that we use for this transitional period, which is liminal. To be liminal is to be in limbo in between two things. And then there's the third stage, which is um, starting something new. Once you sort of get clear that this sort of caterpillar to butterfly journey has a dark, gooey cocoon in the middle, (laughs) you start to realize Okay, where am, am I? Uh, you know, I am I'm, I'm ending a relationship or a, a marriage. Where am I? I am moving to Austin, you know, where am I, you know, have I, am I still in the messy middle or have I gotten to the new thing yet? And uh, so how do you, how do we know that this kind of three-stage transition is real? Well, 110 years ago, again, Arnold Van Genep, a cultural anthropologist studied indigenous tribes, and he was able to uh, coin the term rites of passage. Joseph Campbell later uh, wrote The Hero's Journey and a lot of other books about mythology, at amplifying that three-stage journey. George Lucas made the Star Wars films based upon Joseph Campbell's work. And now we can look at anything in life and sort of say, okay, transition is a normal thing. There's a beautiful Dan Gilbert TED talk. Uh, Dan Gilbert's a Harvard psychologist, which is the, if you're looking, up, looking for it on TED, it's about, just look Dan Gilbert, future self. And it basically says people at every age from age 20 to 80 vastly underestimate how much change or transition is going to happen in their next 10 years. We just don't expect it at any age. And so what we just need to know is transitions and change are, are part of life. But here's the big and fundamental thing that I'm going to say that you've probably never heard before. There's a big difference between change and transition. Change is uh, circumstantial. It's situational. Um, it means, oh, I got divorced, but I've gotten remarried. But if nothing changed inside of you, if you didn't make a true transition, your landscape of what your life is like may not really change. Right. Similarly, if you move from San Francisco to Austin but bring all of your old baggage, emotional baggage, and don't have a fresh new approach, then you won't, don't be surprised if you have the same results. Transition is different. So where, where change is situational and circumstantial, uh, transition is psychological. And it actually requires something happening inside of you. And this is why the caterpillar to, bur- to butterfly journey is an important one to articulate. That is a transition, not a change. It's a transition because formulaically, even though all of the cells, the imaginal cells and disks that the caterpillar had inside itself was, were there to create the butterfly, the fact is it went through a wholesale change inside of itself. And if you make those that change or that that transition inside of yourself, you will find that great things can happen out of that. So I, have, so for me, I'll look at my my journey, and then we'll talk about yours in a second. My journey was I was selling my company. That was the end of something. The messy middle was like not knowing what to do. Yeah, I started this thing, Fest Three Hundred, and I wrote a book. But I was a little awkward not having the role or the identity that I used to have um, mm-hmm. or just how much, you know, my, my calendar had a lot more space on it. And, <laughs> and, and that felt, made me feel like I was, like, you know, worthless or something, which is so silly, but it, it, that's where I was. And then, the, then I had to start something new, and that, that was Airbnb. So that was my, my transition. The messy middle was awkward and uncomfortable, but it was necessary for me to have the growth. So how are you dealing with this, Darius?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, it's, 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 I think, um, I was very confused at first and then I COVID hit. I was going to take my family and go on sabbatical for the year in Spain, COVID hit that kind of took that away. And, and, and I had written this book, uh, last year that's coming out next Tuesday that it was really like, it's my, you know, like, it's 15 years of my life put into this book around how do you do this thing that I find to be really important? You know, how do you build a core value driven organization? And so the book was, I wrote it really quickly and then I just shelved it. Cause I said, I'm not, I I said, I can't put this book out right now. I'm, I'm in the middle of this like shitstorm, And, and so, and then, uh, I mean, I guess I'm going to be a little vulnerable right now. My brother-in-law passed away like uh, right when COVID hit really suddenly. And, and I don't know what it was, something, it was very quick. It was like a three-week thing. He got diagnosed with cancer, and he he was overseas and in, in uh, right outside Australia visiting their cousin, my w- wife's cousin. And three weeks later, he he was he was gone. And I don't know, man. Something inside of me was like, you have to make this book really important. It's an important book, and you need to like do it. So I I got really aggressive about the book. But to your point, for me, I've always been kind of a workaholic, and I have two young kids and and we're in the house. And, and I just dove right back into working hard. So I, I, now I'm in the tug of war, which is you're just going back to your old self. Like You want to change. I traveled 192 days in 2018. And I looked at and I said, I'm never doing that again. But now I'm just locked up. You We're know, being a workaholic. And so now I'm, it's, I have an awareness around it, which is interesting. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D A R I U S. Go to Shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Hey, business leaders and decision makers, get ready to supercharge your success with the ultimate source of business leadership wisdom, Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is your daily dose of practical advice for better business management. Visit hbr.org for the latest articles like the art of setting expectations as a project manager or AI can help you ask better questions and solve bigger problems. But this isn't just a list. I personally found the article on AI absolutely mind-blowing. It changed how I approach technology and analytics, providing real-world tools for better decision-making. And don't miss the HBR magazine. It's published six times a year, offering timeless insights around crucial management themes. Perfect for those moments when you just you know want to get away from the screen and dive deep into some transformative content. But wait, there's more. HBR delivers top-notch podcasts, videos, and real-world case studies. From HBR on leadership to the big idea, HBR covers it all, providing invaluable insights from the best in the business. Harvard Business Review has been a game changer for me. It's challenged my thinking and made me a more effective leader. And don't forget the newsletters. Stay up to date on a variety of business topics, ensuring you're always in the know. Ready to elevate your leadership game? Dive into hbr.org. Explore their podcasts. Read their magazines. The wealth of knowledge is at your fingertips. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. Go to hbr.org forward slash subscriptions and enter the promo code greatness right now to take advantage of this great offer. Again, go to www.hbr.org forward slash subscriptions and enter the promo code greatness to learn more about this great opportunity to help manage your career and your business. Hey folks, Darius Mishazdeh here from The Greatness Machine, your go-to podcast for unlocking your full potential now. You've heard me talk about the power of effective communication, right? It's the key to amplifying your influence, engaging others, and really making your mark in the world. Well, well, hold on to your hats because I have something special for you today. Economist Education has rolled out a, a game-changing course on business writing and storytelling that's going to take your communication skills to the next level. Picture this. Economist Education provides online executive education courses built on the expertise and analytical rigor of the economist itself. These aren't your run-of-the-mill classes, folks. We're talking about two to six weeks online programs designed to empower business professionals like you to thrive in a changing world and workplace. These courses feature senior editors from The Economist and invited experts who dish out the insights on the latest developments in the business world. It's like having a VIP pass to the forefront of knowledge. When you sign up, you get a three-month digital subscription to The Economist to support your learning journey. But here's the kicker, my friends, get 15% off any course from the Economist Education exclusively available through my URL, education.economist.com forward slash greatness. And don't forget to enter the promo code greatness at registration to unlock your discount. This offer ends on March 31st. So you better hustle if you want to seize this opportunity now. Don't wait until it's too late. So for 15% off any course from The Economist Education, head over to education.economist.com forward slash greatness right now and use the promo code greatness at registration. Your future self will thank you for it now. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's, it's – the book became the drug. Right. And I, I, I'm i getting through the book launch right now. But, um, and, you know, so you're going to
0: have to go back, you know, so I'm now becoming your armchair psychologist. <laughs> but, but you know, you're going to have to go down, back to the roots to sort of see what, what is it that drives you? What is it that actually where is the work addiction coming from? Whether it's the distraction factor, often often addiction has to, to do with distraction from something else and, and often feelings you have um where is it come? where is it a self-worth issue whereas is the, yeah. you know, the self-worth is coming from you don't have the self-worth fundamentally because of whatever reason that you that you would like to have and so you get it by achieving and you're becoming an, an admiration or achievement addict i know that one very well yeah and um you know the only way through this is first of all recognizing it i mean it's like you know it's i hate to sound like a 12-step you know alcoholic or something like that but you know the truth is you know having going through the process of recognizing what's happening acknowledging it talking about it often with your your wife or friends or family and then asking for help you know in all kinds of ways whether it's a higher power but specifically to asking for help from your friends to call you on your behavior and yeah this is going to be your kids and your, your, your wife. Um, and that is, you know, it's your wife, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay I just, you know, didn't know. Yeah, I, all good. I thought it was wife, but I, I didn't, you, you could not be married. You could, could be, it,
1: go, it goes you know, many ways these days. Yeah, yeah, no.
0: yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, what I find is that when I am open to being vulnerable to saying, this is something I want to fix in my life. And I, I and I ask for gentle reminders and support. To help people have people call me on it, but in a way that is not punitive um, yeah. it does help create the shift in habits
1: yeah um,
0: so but yeah and and you got to figure out also what's 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 the form of expressing it like whether it's journaling therapy you know singing you know I it could be art art form for me it's I, I like writing and so yeah. Uh, That's a form, you know. Running on the beach for me is a huge catalytic, cathartic experience because I somehow, I I feel a lot when I do that. So that's your process. And uh, otherwise, guess what? You won't change. You will change the landscape, but you won't change fundamentally who you are. And at the end of the day, I think what the reason we're here on this earth is to be able to evolve our consciousness and who we are. In ways that make us a better person, and if we are holding on to old behaviors or forms of distraction to not allow the, that kind of evolution to happen inside of ourselves, you'll be surprised at how stuck you'll be, and and that's when you'll hit your midlife crisis.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think I'm there. I think I'm uh, there. You, know, I
0: think you're supposed to come down to MEA. You're supposed to come down to the Modern Elder Academy. And, and-
1: well, so it's funny. So um, so my when when i when i stepped down as ceo of the company and this was my choice it was like like everyone was shocked when i did it um my really good friend his wife kate kate shocks she said you know, you need to go check. She sends my wife a, a, te- a text, and it's a link to the Modern Elder Academy. She's like, Darius really needs to go go to this. <laughs> and so I check it out, and I, and I hadn't realized you had that you had moved on to this project. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what Chips do. This is awesome. And then, and then Joshua Abramson, who was a guy I mentored in EO, who I believe you know. Yeah. He's telling me about it. And I, and I was like, Oh man, I got, I, I I do want to come down there. Um, so yeah.
0: once, once, you know, it's, it's obviously COVID times makes it harder. We do, we have evolved MEA. So it's, we're doing something called sabbatical sessions now starting in October. But yeah, it's the, the, the whole point of MEA for me was to take my experience at Airbnb where I realized that, um, they started calling me the modern elder who was as curious as he is wise. And that, what I appreciated it, but I, initially I didn't. It's like, I, I'm not elderly, but elderly isn't, you know, elder is a relative term. I mean, if, if you're 52, as I was eight years ago when I was there, and you're surrounded by 26-year-olds, you are an elder. But I was a modern elder, which is different than a traditional elder. And the modern elder is an intern and a mentor at the same time and is curious and wise at the same time. And so that helped me to see that there are a lot of people in midlife, which I define as 35 to 75, so it's a very broad range. There are a lot of people in midlife who are feeling bewildered uh, and a little bit irrelevant and have the opportunity to cultivate and harvest their wisdom and maybe repurpose it somewhere else, which is exactly what I did at Airbnb. Um, and the program is not specifically just for people in their careers, but you know, a lot of people do come for that reason. They want to they want to shift, shift or pivot their career. They want to say what I call same seed, different soil. They they Mm -hmm. want to, they want to actually plant their seed elsewhere. Um, And so, yeah, it's been a fascinating experience. 750 alums from 24 countries now. Uh, It's been, uh, it's been great.
1: So what, so yeah, let's, let's touch on that. Um, Mm -hmm. because We jumped straight into it. You, you were, you know, working with Ryan and the founders of Airbnb. That's the, the these guys grew tremendously. Two hundred yeah. to seventy five hundred people. That's in in a very short period of time. That's a huge growth. And they had the luck of getting to work with someone like yourself that was really you. You were a brick and mortar business and being a hotelier. Right. Um, so that's that's very human intensive and obviously tech is more. They're trying not to do that if they don't have to. Yeah. But right, like the VCs punch you in the gut if you have too many people. Um, right. they, they want you to automate. You guys enjoyed the show so far? Darius here. And by now, you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down, dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to dariusscale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's dariusscale.com. And now back to the show. Walk us through how did you end up it, deciding to move on to, the, to founding the, the MEA? So,
0: so, I, that... yeah, so I was originally supposed to just do six months with Brian and 15 hours a week. But within about a month, I was, it was 70 hours a week. And it was like, okay, I'm doing a four-year thing here. So <laughs> I, I completely had to remake my life to make space for Airbnb in my life. And I did. Uh, and ultimately I decided I wanted to write a book out of that um, after four years I I I couldn't do more than four years. I just didn't want to uh, it was It was great. I loved it. And and for four years now, I've been an, an advisor but so When I left in early 2017, I decided I'd write this book called wisdom at work the making of a modern elder and in the process of writing that book down in southern Baja about an hour north of Cabo San Lucas um, where I had a home on the beach I had this epiphany one day when I went for a run uh, on the beach and it was like, wow, why do we not have midlife wisdom schools? Why don't we, why don't we have a place where people come to reimagine what's next for them and navigate the transitions of their midlife. And we don't have that. And I have to tell you during the great recession, I had five friends, all men uh, commit suicide, three of them entrepreneurs. Um, And I wished we had a program like this because, uh, I do think that there are a lot of people in midlife who are, who, uh, especially in COVID times, you know, not only do we have uncertainty, but we have an instability. And somebody pointed that out to me recently. I said, you know, uncertainty is always there, but you can sort of take your own. A lot of times that's your own uncertainty and you marshal your resources, but but instability is actually, is really scary because you, you something that's maybe there's a political instability or a social instability or a, Health instability—you uh, get to a place where it's like feel, it feels like it, wow, you, you, there's you have no control over this, and so I think there are a lot of people right now are exceptionally bewildered, and in some case, in some cases, what it, it really is allowing for is the pause to take a step back and say, I'm going to reflect on this. What is it that I want to do with my life, mm-hmm. and and what am I here on Earth to do? And that's obviously very cliche way to articulate it and the what we do at the academy is exceptionally more deep than that. Right. But that's a question that a lot of people are asking right now. Uh, and it happens during 9-11, it happens during the Great Recession, it happens during these times because once we get knocked off our treadmill after running, you know, running, running, running and just doing our normal default world thing you take a step back and sort of say, you know, is this my wonderful life? You know, is this, is this, you know, the David Byrne song, um, (laughs) you know, I, this may not be the life that I was meant to have. And I think that that that's such a hard question. And unfortunately for men, they are not, we are not as socially adept as women to address our vulnerabilities and, and even communicate about them. And so that is another reason why a program like MEA exists, although the majority of people who come to MEA are women, um, but it's still a lot of men, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs who've either had a failure or have had a success, and and they're not sure what to do with either one of those.
1: Yeah, and they're 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 both different problems, right? One yeah. one one's less of a self confidence issue, and it's, right, well, right. it has its own self confidence issues. Um, and the other one is all self confidence, and then you turn it around. But they're all they're all complicated. And so, you know, I went to last year in September. This is about two months before I resigned as CEO. I, I went for the first time to Esalen, <laughs> and I did. A, you'll love this. I did a, a workshop with my forum, my EO forum um called the 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 future of masculinity and it was, yeah, it was really cool um but i'd never been to esalon before and and what I had heard was that m e a is modeled after esalon is that true
0: um couple couple truisms there uh so i've been teaching at eslon for about fifteen years uh, oh, i was on the i was on the board for about eight and the 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 um bookstore at Esalen is named after me, so I have a lot of affection for that place. Yeah. I was I was supposed to have my sixtieth birthday party there next month not going to happen oh, um, yeah. yes Eslin is so Eslin was the first uh personal growth retreat center in the United States. It was actually modeled after ashrams and uh ed- educational uh, institutes in India and um started in a spectacular location as you know uh Darius uh, on the coast oh, of the and um and really in many ways was the Catalyst for the personal growth, you know, uh, you know, uh, human potential movement, for better or for worse. Uh, because in the '70s, it really became quite narcissistic, and you know, there were a lot of elements that it, it got laughed at a lot. Um, and Tom Wolf wrote a, a both a book and a Time magazine cover story on the Me Generation,
2: right. so
0: which is basically Boomers. So when Boomers <laughs> when Boomers are saying bad things about Millennials these days, I say, listen dudes, you were narcissistic and self-aggressive <laughs> when you were that age as well. And I, and I would just say, I actually think you're even more so, or we were more so as a generation, because actually I think millennials have a point of view that's more globally focused right. uh, around social justice and equity that while no doubt boomers had a huge impact on a bunch of movements, women's movements, civil rights movement, a bunch of movements, uh, gay rights movement. But um, in many ways, it was very U.S. centric. And I think because our issues today are very way beyond the United States borders, um, I think it's interesting. But I would just say, yes, Esalen is a spectacular place to go to have some reflection time, although it is in the middle of a fire zone right now. Right. um, And we're in the midst of COVID. And I doubt it'll be open in the next month. Um, So come on down to MEA. We are opening October 4th for these sabbatical sessions. But you have to come for two weeks minimum. Um, you can read you can read about it at sabbaticalsessions.com. dot um, and it it it's what it, it is also a place for people to reflect. So there's a lot, very different environment physically, right. but um, a lot of similarities.
1: So when when we talk about mea and you guys, this is this whole idea is to bring in. And I went to, when I was going through when I first left and I it got introduced to me. I went in there and started seeing all these courses you could take, you could stay, and really like you know. It was it was uh, number one. It's an amazing idea because I, I actually what got me what's got me into the messy cocoon mode. I, I was meaning to say this is that I have two young kids. I have a ten year old and a seven year old, and I I watch. I know that they learn not by what I teach, but what I, what what I do mostly, right? And so if they're watching me lock myself in my office and work fifteen hours a day, like every single day, or be distracted. I'm teaching them distraction. I'm teaching them to be workaholic, you know, and I learned that by watching my father who's an entrepreneur be distracted to be a workaholic. And so I just said, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do that. Right. And, and, and that's where, that's where it gets messy. Right. Cause now it's like, Oh no, you're, you know, and then it's to your point, don't sit there and beat the crap out of yourself every single time you do it because now I'm, I'm being, you know, a harsh critic to myself, you know? And so um, when folks are coming down to MEA, that are maybe a Darius, right? <laughs> and they got they're all tangled up. Yeah. It, it, what how do you guys approach that?
0: Well, there's a there's a whole collection of things we do, but I'll, I'll give you a couple specific examples. Uh, first of all, uh, a fundamental piece of our curriculum speaks to mindset. Uh, Carol Dweck's work from Stanford. So, just for those who don't know it, you can either have a fixed or growth mindset uh, in varying degrees. Uh, in in various parts of your life. And if you have a fixed mindset, you tend to be focusing on proving yourself and uh, you define success as winning. If you have a growth mindset, you focus instead of on proving yourself, you focus on improving yourself. And success is not defined by winning, it's defined by learning. Helping people move into a stage of their midlife and later where they get comfortable being a beginner's mind, not being perfect at things, being open to making mistakes, um, trying new things that, you know, we help people learn how to surf down there. We help people learn how to bake bread together, how to do improv, how to write poetry, how to, you know, do yoga. I mean, there's a lot of elements that are sort of woven into the educational experience. And so there's that. Uh, Additionally, we have an exercise called the great midlife edit um, because the first half of your life is about accumulating and it's accumulating you know, points of view that you got from your parents, your money script from your family, um, your uh, sense of identity of who you are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All that knowledge, all those relationships, all those obligations. When you hit midlife, you are carrying a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. And so, what we help people to do is to see which, which of this baggage do they, you want to keep holding on to and take with you, and what's ready to go. And we do a, an exercise that's I can't tell you what we do, but it's a pretty powerful ritual. Um, no one's walking on coals or anything like that. Um, but <laughs> but it's a, it is a ritual, and it happens at sunset, and it's a pretty powerful ritual that helps people to start letting go and editing from their life what no longer serves them. And right. that process of opening up some space in your life by letting go of the things that aren't serving you anymore is really um, – Energizing because you actually realize how much you've been holding. You know, if you're running the marathon, the midlife marathon from age 35 to 75, with all that baggage you're carrying, no yeah. wonder you're exhausted. Um, and so we sometimes call MEA a midlife pit stop um, because you need a pit stop to re- refuel and regenerate and reimagine. Uh, and we don't really have formalized versions of that in society. And, and yet, we have a world where we're living longer, powers moving younger, and the world is changing faster. And those three variables have, if we don't solve for this, will lead to a growing number of people in midlife committing suicide, uh, having you know death by despair, you know drinking too much, opioid addiction, you name it. I mean, uh, the evidence of this is right there in the you know the the healthcare statistics for the United States today. And it's part of the reason why, frankly, the United States is falling backwards. You know, it's it's one, it's one of, I think it's the only developing country in the world where the longevity has actually gone backwards in the last uh, five years. Um, not by a lot, but by a little. You know, the rest of the world, longevity is growing. And our longevity grew for a long time. But now we're at a stage as a society where it's not. And I, you know, the times we're going through right now, both politically and with COVID, et cetera, isn't helping at all. And um, sure. so, yeah, we have to make sense of this.
1: So when you think of, you got you guys, you know, when, when when was MEA founded, 2018?
0: Yeah, early January, 2018.
1: Right, so so MEA has been around now two and a half years, a little over two and a half years. And that's, that's obviously very early in a business's life. Yeah. What, when you think of, you know, Modern Elder Academy in, Ten years from now, what, how do how do you imagine it? What do you think of?
0: Well, there's a few different things. Um, there's a there's a paper, a white paper I've just finished uh, with a with a, a Canadian professor who is an MEA alum <clears> that'll <throat> come out a week from this Monday. If if you want to read it, just go to the Modern Elder Academy website and look for the Wisdom Well blog and sign up as a subscriber. It's free, and then you'll get a daily email from me. and And the one on September 21st, which is a Monday, ten days from now, will be this paper, and it's called The Emergence of Long Life Learning. Um, not lifelong learning, but long life learning, which is very different than lifelong learning. Lifelong learning, you can do at age 25 or at age 75. But long life learning speaks to when you're hitting midlife and moving beyond, what are, this, what are the elements that define how you learn and what's important to learn at that point?
1: What's up, Just JustWork supports small businesses with simple, seamless solutions like integrated payroll. Now for limit time only, try out their payroll plan for one month for free as a reliable and flexible platform just earns back time so you can focus on running your small business with big confidence running a business is demanding and like look, look we've all been there you know you're juggling countless tasks and responsibilities every single day that's why when it comes to managing payroll you need a solution that streamlines the process so you can focus on what really matters growing your business experience the relief of streamlined payroll management with their comprehensive solution From automated payments to accurate tax calculations and seamless withholdings, JustWorks got you covered. Plus, their expert support ensures you have the assistance every single step of the way. And here's the best part. There's no hidden fees. Designed to be flexible, JustWorks can support teams of one to as many as your small business hires, including contractors. In just 30 minutes, set up a payroll that streamlines paying your team, saves time mitigates errors, and is a desktop and mobile friendly. You can even integrate time tracking and benefits of support running your small business with big confidence. Don't miss your chance to get one month free by visiting justworks.com slash greatness. Secure the limited time offer and start letting JustWorks run your payroll so you don't have to. Start your free month now at justworks.com forward slash greatness. Ever walked into a place and instantly felt drawn in by the scent? Let me share a recent shopping experience. It was a crisp morning and I decided to browse through a new store that had just opened in the neighborhood. As I stepped inside, a refreshing scent of citrus and pine greeted me, instantly lifting my mood and making me feel welcome. As I explored the aisles, the pleasant aroma lingered, enhancing my shopping experience and making it more enjoyable. It made me realize how much scent can influence our perception of a store and how it can make a difference in our overall experience. For stores using scent strategically, that can help them stand out from the competition and create a welcoming environment That keeps customers coming back. If you've ever been in a Banana Republic, Abercrombie, Marriott, or Weston, you know how fragrance can take your experience from good to incredible. Scent Air guided stores, hotels, event spaces, and other businesses in creating fragrance experiences that encourage customers to spend more, stay longer, and leave them happier. Ultimately, enabling businesses to stand out among their competitors. The secret behind scent marketing is that it's more than just filling your space with a nice scent. Scent Air is proven. To increase earned revenue up to 9%, keep customers in your business up to 18% longer, and boost customer satisfaction up to 20% more. Give customers an experience they won't forget with Scent Air's professional quality fragrances designed for businesses just like yours. Go to scentair.com forward slash greatness to learn how you can save 25% off your first Whisper Max diffuser and explore other great deals today.
0: So I my goal with that paper is to be a catalyst for there to be midlife wisdom schools all around the world. We we may create three or four or five of them and call them Modern Elder Academy, but there'll be other social entrepreneurs and for-profit entrepreneurs as well as academic institutions. We are getting a lot of colleges and universities calling us now and saying, "We're up shit creek, guys. <laughs> you know, we we've lost half of our uh, students for this fall. We were already in a bad place financially before this. Mm-hmm. We need to rethink um, how we're going to use our campus. You know, would you like to look at how we can partner? Um, so, so our goal really, and, and then the the big coup de gras of all this is um, to create mea regenerative communities, which we're doing in Baja right now. So you have a co- the, in the center. Instead of having a golf course in the center of a retirement community, you right. have a, you have a regenerative farm, so uh, with all the best organic principles around farming, you right. have an MEA campus, a midlife wisdom school, and then you build housing around that. And the housing around that is for people who want to buy into this lifestyle as their primary or secondary home. And wow. for for people who with for whom it's a secondary home. Um, they we, they put their home in the rental pool, and we have people who are coming for sabbaticals or gap years who just want to come and be part of this wisdom school. And long story short is you built, in essence, a an intentional community that's not quite as hippy-dippy as the ones that were built in the 1970s. Right. Uh, and so we are looking at locations um, in about five different places in the United States right now to do that. Um, and raising money to, to do that. So, so there's a there's a lot there. At the same time, there's a there's this little voice in my head that says, okay, <laughs> this is a social enterprise. I don't pay myself anything. I built the campus on, in Baja for free, um, and let's just enjoy it. You know, this is back back to the Chip and Beria story. Like, okay, <laughs> yes, I'm in a new landscape because this is. I don't make any money doing this, and it's it's totally focused on the bigger society need, but I still have such of that driven energy. And right. and trying to tell the difference between what's a calling and what's workaholism right is sometimes hard. For me, the way I and I wrote about this in my book Emotional Equations. I think the difference is when you workaholism is a purposeful distraction and the driven nature of it uh, is is unrelenting. Um, and when you aren't in the state of having that, it's hard for you to just engage in life. Right. Uh, having a calling is different than that. So uh, both of them have an obsessive quality to them. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of a, in, in, in a workaholism situation, there's a bit of a, um, well, of, cor- of course it's addictive and it, there's an element of compulsion so right. com- there's a compulsiveness na- na- nature to it whereas in a calling it's not so much compulsion as much as it is passion and and those are different energies but they can be very mixed i mean you can be both living a calling and a workaholic and but you better be pretty conscious of this you know right. and i know a lot of the people who listen are entrepreneurs here you better be pretty conscious of like what is it that is driving you right now and is it is it the compulsion or is it the passion and who can be your truth teller on this beyond yourself?
1: Right.
0: You know, because it's very hard to own up to workaholism, uh, just like it's hard to live up or to own up to any kind of addiction.
1: Yeah, I love, I love everything you just said. You're just, my, <laughs> my wheels are spinning so much right now. Yeah. So we, we have a mutual friend. I met you through Tony Lilios. Yes. And Tony introduced me to Stegan Academy. And and I'm a graduate of that program. And um, the founder, Rand Stegen, uh, has this whole ideology around long-termism.
0: I know him. Yes, I like him.
1: Yeah. And so you just had me thinking all about long-termism. And we had a guest on the show. I don't know if you know Rick Mm Sapio, good friends with with Rand. And he was talking about his core value of permanence Mm -hmm. and how if you have this ideology around permanence and you're going to live a long time, what are you going to do in your life? to make it where you're able to really have these traditions or these behaviors or these things that you're doing with permanence in mind and also with balance in mind. and. It just really like what you're doing with MEA. I just speaks to such an amazing, amazing thing, and I'm so, I'm so, so excited for you guys. This is
2: so
0: well. It's legacy building, and I I do think one of the things that we learn as we get into midlife and beyond is what's our legacy, and you know, our children are our legacy. Um, Are the books that we write, you know, are our legacy? Are the companies we start and the cultures we and the core values that we create, um, and the kinds of employees we can introduce that, our legacy. And for me, uh, MEA feels very legacy-driven. And now you have to be careful with legacy also that it becomes a little bit ego-driven. And so for me, I have to sometimes take a step back and just say, so as, as one of my co-founders says, Chip, can you move at the speed of collaboration <laughs> um, or, the sp- or the speed of partnership? And what he really means by that is this cl- that classic African uh, proverb, which is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. And I am naturally a go-alone, go-fast uh, kind of person. And uh, But I have learned how to become a, a pretty good collaborator over time. Uh, but when I'm in the startup mode, as MBA is a bit of a startup, damn, I have a hard time slowing down. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, partly because I actually... The, so much of it, it's less less compulsion. It's very passion. So I know it's more calling-driven. And it's partly because I really can see the future. I can see what this is supposed to be three years from now. And I want us to get there even even with all of the challenges of the pandemic and the economy as it is yeah. right now.
1: Wow. Well, I, I think we're out of time, man. And I I, I, prom- I promise you, I'll get you out of here in 45. So. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been like such a treat to have you. Can you it, it, obviously we're, we'll put in the comments uh, where we can find you at the Modern Elder, uh, excuse me, at the Modern Elder Academy. Is there anywhere else that we want to promote or? things? Yeah,
0: like no, that? if you go to Wisdom Well, the Modern Elder Academy website, you'll find Wisdom Well, uh, which is the daily blog. You know, people seem to love that uh, because like a micro dose of wisdom, in email every morning from me um, or from one of our guest bloggers. Uh, I, den- I do tend to put a lot of my. Um, blogs on my LinkedIn profile. So that's another place to look for me. And there's also chipconley.com.
1: Great. Yeah. Well, what a treat. So much gratitude having you here. Um, Thank you so much guys. uh, It's almost booked. Uh, We got book day coming up on Tuesday. Um, uh, So look, a lot of stuff happening between now and then, but uh, follow us at the real Darius M on Facebook, subscribe the real Darius on YouTube, or just go to www.therealdarius.com and uh, follow us on the newsletter. And um, I can't wait to uh, have you guys on Tuesday with the book launch. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you guys later. Peace. You are listening to The Greatness Machine and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world and we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster. Show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons and You will also get links that came out during the show. So on their look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time.
0: Uh She's my lover.
1: Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, Hella Fresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet, with fresh ingredients, and chef-crafted recipes at the price you'll like, delivered right to your door. Don't let recipe boredom strike because Hella Fresh has more options than ever before. Dig into your biggest menu yet, with over 45 dinner options to choose from weekly, and even more market add-on items that suit any lifestyle. As someone who's always on the go, the convenience of having delicious and nutritious meals delivered right to my doorstep has been a game-changer. I'll never forget the first time I tried HelloFresh, the excitement of unboxing fresh ingredients, and the joy of cooking up a restaurant-quality meal in my own kitchen. It felt like I had my own personal chef, minus the hefty price tag. What really hooked me was the variety of recipes they offer From exotic cuisines to classic comfort food, HelloFresh keeps my taste buds dancing. And the best part? No more last-minute grocery runs or wasted ingredients. Everything I need is right in the box. Ready to join America's number one meal kit family? Dive into a world of flavor with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash GREATFREE and use the code GREATFREE, that's G-R-E-A-T-F-R-E-E, for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash GREATFREE with code GREATFREE.